Fuck the patriarchy! Hi, I'm Madeline, and I'm a writer and cultural critic. I'm Dave. I'm a comedian and actor, and welcome to Genre Reveal Party special bonus episode. This is our podcast where we talk about TV and movies through the lens of genre, its definitions, its limits, and what we can learn by exploding them. Each episode, one of us chooses a TV show or movie to discuss. There will be spoilers, partially because it's our goal that you don't need to have watched the thing to enjoy the podcast. All right. So this week, we're doing a bonus episode on the finale or the conclusion, really, of Succession. Yeah, yeah. We got a lot of feedback on our first episode about the series, which is our our first episode, um, which, in, including some kind of genre reveals from our listeners, however formal. Um, so we want to thank you all for writing in. And um, if you listen to the first podcast, you'll know that we did an initial tentative genre reveal that was contingent on how the series wrapped up. Dave called the show, quote, an American satire accordion, and I called it, at worst, a clusterfuck, and at best, a meta-clusterfuck. So after that episode, we did some polling on our social media. Um, the poll gave four different options. 15% voted for, we had hundreds of voters, okay, 15%. <laughs> We did. We had 221. So I'm going to say Wait, hundreds. really? Yeah, we did. Oh, damn. That's like hundreds, very... hundreds. Of and all of our voters. polls since then have been as not as popular, if not more popular. Oh, definitely. Don't don't look. So 15 percent voted for anti-capitalist satire. Another 15 percent voted for bourgeois as fuck. Forty seven percent voted liberal mel- melodrama. Um, and then the remaining 23% voted for, quote, something else. And most of those folks pitched genres, um, which included, i just giving some highlights, liberal sitcom, comedy of manners, arrested development plus prestige sheen, um, psychoanalytic farce. Uh, this, one, this one's good. The comedy version of ancient Greek tragedy where the fates are sealed. Does this make sense? (laughs) Um, So we liked these and thanks for voting and coming up with your own genres. And we had a couple of people go into a little bit further depth. So I want to address those as well. We have uh, Joe Isaacson at this point, a future guest of the podcast who wrote us and said she loved the podcast thanks for keeping me company during a particularly challenging weekend i don't know if you could hear me audibly responding to your brilliant analysis on succession as i did chores but that was totally happening i agree i agree with you both about the tensions slash frustrations slash fascinations with the show i'm realizing that at this point in my life i'm perpetually on brand and everything that is somewhat interesting is a form of horror to me so my (laughs) genre take on the show is class horror that devolves into Indiocracy horror. Did she mean idiocracy horror or indiocracy horror? Dude, I don't know. We have to follow okay. up. Okay. Yeah. If, Joe, Joe, you can write us back. the person who introduced me to idiocracy. So. Okay. 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 Yeah. So class horror that devolves into indiocracy slash probably idiocracy horror due to American culture's naturalistic curse. Allow me to elaborate. <laughs> 
There is a long, fantastic <laughs> legacy of formal debates that would allow the creators of Succession to achieve what Madeline calls a meta clusterfuck, which to me would be the ideal in tantamount to class horror, which is high praise. Brecht and others have spelled out distantiation techniques, which would allow the show to thematize the audience's desire to be interpolated into the emotions of the characters and feel empathy. Okay, I, I got to be honest. I'm kind of lost here, but the, the, that's me uh, editorializing. Joe continues, the show could both bring us in in this way and show how American capitalism is a sucker's game because we will always want to be brought in in this way, including the elite themselves, while also showing the structural similarities between class relations and the intimate relations of the family, which is why we do identify with the characters, even though they are total aliens, as you pointed out. But because the American prestige aesthetic tradition has pretty much excluded anything but naturalism in its aesthetic approach, except when it is in full satirical mode, it simply jolts from high drama to satire without thematizing its own incongruities. Because of that, it devolves into indie slash idiocracy horror, in which an initially interesting horror scenario devolves into a romance about quirky misfits who are just misunderstood. Anyway, that's my stab at it. Again, this was super fun. So, I gotta be honest. Not I. I think I'm ready to see the co-hosting chair to Joe, based on that email. <laughs> uh, the other email we got was from Fergus Lamb, who emailed us at genrereveal at gmail.com. Thank you, Fergus. Here, here, here are Fergus's thoughts. Dear Genre Reveal Party, it is my opinion that succession has to be viewed in relation to genres from 21st century British televisual comedy. The primary relevant subgenre is the hardcore cringe continuum, which stretches from the original Office through Peep Show and into shows such as Fleabag. Cringe is especially pronounced in Britain because at its root, it is the affect of class society, a psychosocial response to inequality to the degradation of society by its own reason, and to the artificial division of humanity. It is cringe to participate in a system which crushes you and everyone else, and succession is on these grounds a case study in the cringiness of evil. Cringe becomes hardcore whenever it is stripped of any distractions or relievements, for example, canned laughter, which might prevent the audience from facing the abjectness of the situation. In addition to working on Peep Show, Jesse Armstrong cut his teeth on the thick of it, Jesse Armstrong, by the way, this is my editorial, uh, creator of Succession, uh, which occupies an adjacent genre to hardcore cringe, what I think of as the comedy of the political void. Here, the disconnect of the profession of politics from the polis. You guys are re- you guys are really losing me. Please help me. Vi- viz, the hollowing <laughs> out of civil society in post-Thatcher Britain is apprehended as a structure of a joke, a farce of mistranslation, predicted on the attempt to communicate in a situation in which communication is impossible. This is a comedy of PR, spin doctors, and focus groups. Okay, cool. I'm, I'm back in here. Characteristic of this genre is violent language, the use <laughs> of words as weapons, hell yeah, and violence against language, which is broken apart and drained of meaning. Absolutely. Succession melds these two genres, bringing together a heightened sense of the abjection of capitalist society with the world of corporate PR and neoliberal news media in the UK, a cruel joke of a country (laughs) 
innovative comedy has in the last 20 years <laughs> brought comedy much closer to tragedy, mining the formal similarities between tragic and joke form. This is perhaps fitting for a country whose border regime subjects non-citizens to a citizenship quiz, which requires them to recognize possessing a sense of humor about themselves as a characteristic British trait. That is wild. If that is apparently a real um, check mark on the citizenship quiz. Many thanks for taking the time to consider my verdict. Best, Fergus. Thank you, Fergus. Um, so yeah, take Thank it you, take Fergus. it away, Madeline. The yes. Okay. Yeah. So um, so today we're gonna wrap up all this succession stuff. And honestly, I am a, a little bit burnt out on succession, which surprises me. I got really into succession fever. Um, but we have a special guest, and I know him pretty well. Um, his name is Kyle Lane McKinley. So welcome, Kyle. Hi. Thanks and, for um, having me. We're just going to say you yeah, know him pretty well. Here. We're not going to describe. I know him pretty well. How you and guys Kyle's know each other. Person, I'll tell you one thing about our relationship, which is that Kyle is the person who got me into succession. And that's the most important thing about the relationship. <laughs> <laughs> Start with the basics. Yeah. And um, we thought it would be fun to have him here to discuss the end of the series. I I do know what his genre reveal will be, although maybe he'll surprise me a little teeny bit. No surprises. <laughs> um, so, Dave, Great. that's your line. That's my line. Let's chat. <laughs> Let's chat. I'm I'm dying here, dude. I'm just gonna say to the listener, it is the it is the day before we install our our AC unit in the window in Chicago, and so if you hear birds in the background, that's because the doors are open. If you hear the the fan, that's because the fan is on. That's Madeline's dog. That's not me. But yeah, let's, I. I I would I would say I'm sorry, but this is just how I, you know, I'm not a I'm not a Roy, so I don't have the ability to make a perfectly, uh, you have air quiet sound sound <laughs> studio, you know. So uh, I apologize if I sound like I'm in a layer of hell because it truly feels like actually it's pretty appropriate that you're <laughs> talking to us from hell today. Um, yeah, but I'm enjoying the optics, which our listener will miss. Of um, the blue ice packs. Yeah, I'm just holding these ice packs up to my head and sweating my ass off. So anyway, I'm ha- happy to chat about succession. <laughs> okay, so I wanted to focus mostly on the last two episodes, um, but I imagine we'll bounce around in the fourth season. And one of the things that David and I talked about in the last episode that we discussed succession in an episode of our podcast, that is, um, was just that we were kind of waiting to see how it concludes to really have a sense of, of its genre. And that in a lot of ways, the conclusion of a narrative does determine a lot about its genre. And, it, you know, potentially, especially, you know, for this show, which is flirting a lot with comedy and drama and you know the creators are calling it a tragedy and the behind the you know behind the episode docu 
feature that HBO, or excuse me, Max, um, churns out for us every week. Um, so I wanted to, to kind of focus on these last two episodes. So the second to last episode is about Logan's funeral. The last episode takes place in Barbados at the Ken, Ken Shivroy, or excuse me, Ken Shiv Roman mom's house. Um, and then it moves to the board meeting uh, for the vote on the Gojo deal with a visit to Logan's home, which is now owned by Connor, where Connor is having the siblings bid on what they'd like to inherit from the household before the, quote, second tier moves in, which includes um, Carrie, his lover, and a lot of the people who are actually much closer to, to Logan. So I wanted to kind of begin maybe talking about the funeral, um, because there's a lot that's kind of being said at a meta level about you know what the show meant and who Logan Roy was that were, was happening at the funeral. What do you all think about how that all played out and um, you know these battling speeches of all the siblings and or at least Shiv and Kendall in the place of Roman. And well, Roman was supposed to battle, right? He was supposed to come right. in and be the the triumphal, you know, uh, take his place, his place in his in, in the succession, right? I mean, I, I think that the, the maybe the most important thing, really, though, to say about that uh, funeral is like the production, right? Because it's like mm. this huge church, and they, they they like the in the in those sort of meta those the documentary thing. They talk all they have all this sort of stuff about you know the production techniques and how they ran four cameras you know they've drawn on all their expertise from uh <clears throat> from reality television and the like in order to you know disrupt the way that they do the show um and there's this sort of like they're like feigning at their like uh at it be at its um i don't know cinematic qualities i guess uh and mm. and how you know um I think that 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 that's one of the many times that these instances that the the production that HBO and the and, and the producers that are the you know the the director and writers um, are telling us that this is supposed to be this uh, this you know drama tragedy uh, it, that it's a serious show right that these mm -hmm. are serious people making a serious show uh, and I think that's fucking bullshit. That's a really good point. I think it, and I think what we hit on when we initially talked about this in the first episode that I would, that you're like helping me figure out more clearly here, Kyle, is that like the show very much plays on the prestige of acting. The whole right. thing of like, of like, we did everything we could to get long takes, which, the, what's the whole purpose of long takes? To to make it good for the actors, which like, mm. yo, uh, you know, I, I've literally every TV job I've had is the shortest possible take. So, but it, it, you know, long takes, yes, are good for acting, but it's playing into this, uh, this yeah, this romanticization of acting as this like, you you know, if you're a TV watcher and you can comment on the acting of a thing, right? It's like it's it, it's it's really you're in the know somehow. So they're they're yeah they're like flattering us by being like, well, by the way, you know, 
here, here are all the techniques we've used to make sure that you're as in the know as we are. So I totally mm-hmm. agree with that. The thing that I would say in terms of the battle of the speeches, because mm-hmm. it wasn't supposed to be a battle at all. It was supposed right. to be, I mean, obviously looking back, it never was bound to be this, but like it was supposed to be one and done. Roman gets up, everything's all good. Mm-hmm. But is, I guess my question is, is Kendall's speech versus Shiv's speech? Hmm. Is there is there an actual battle there? In in my mind, they're both representative of the psychological issues that these two characters have, and you could argue how seriously we're supposed to take them. Mm-hmm. Um, but Shiv's felt way, um, fa- way. Shiv's just felt clownier to me in a mm-hmm. way where it like felt like the the th- like. It's hard with with this. It's hard to separate the shit I read on Twitter you okay. know, from from all this. So the, so seeing people quote Shiv's lines from that speech as if they were beautiful lines, I was just like, <laughs> "Give me a fucking break!" Like, like okay, the idea yeah. that like he couldn't fit a whole woman into his head is like sure, okay, yeah, that's like fairly interesting. But her yeah. her um line about her great giant world of a father i'm like mm-hmm. if anyone's taking that as some sort of beautiful tribute like right we're just on very different pages about absolutely it. yeah and this when is like to, you know yeah, the ahead. liberal identification question which it is interesting 47 mm-hmm. percent of our people said liberal melodrama which is absolutely uh-huh. the kind of reading that you're talking about yeah <laughs> i just yeah. want to interject that you know um that's such a misread of that speech. <laughs> well, all throughout, right? There's a, there's a, there's this there's this double. There's two planes that this show has operated on in, in from the very very beginning. And one, in order to understand it as this great cinematic dramatic work of art, we have to somehow believe that we can identify with these characters, right? That the characters, like that there's a protagonist in some way. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, and, and we're well-trained to do that because like, you know, that's what television in America is fucking all about. Right. Like uh, we, we, we find, we misidentify with characters every day in, in American television. And we do that, you know, from a young age, you know, from like fucking Paw Patrol or whatever. And like, you know, like this <laughs> various forms of like, you know, copaganda where we mm-hmm. like come to identify with law and order, you know, these like, you know, right. abusive cops or to like, you know, even just like regular sitcoms is this whole sort of like middle class bourgeois thing of like, you know, uh, downwardly mobile population, like misidentifying with an upwardly mobile white bourgeois middle class family. Right. But in this case, like, you know, the other plane to read it on is one in which there is no one to identify with. And all of, you know, that it's like, you know, you're, you're, you're the person who wrote in said like that this is just cringe, that everybody in, in this is, is somebody to, you know, to adhor. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it, it kind of gets to what uh, Joanna wrote in about as well. This, uh, you know, this Brechtian thing about. I think she said distanciation. It's distanciation. It's like a form of a, it's like a <laughs> the distance a form effect, of, right? of estrangement, right? Through right, through right. I, I think it's just okay, the dis- okay. yeah, the distance effect. Like, is this thing in which we're like, we know that this is just a show, 
that it's just yes, meta, yes. right? And if we and if we know that it's just a show, that it's sort of playing with this idea that we're go we have an impulse to identify with these people, mm-hmm. but like, but then it's like that you couldn't possibly identify with these people because they're shitty people in a shitty situation. Mm-hmm. Then it becomes a comedy, right? Then, then it's mm-hmm. there's no way, you know. And those are the two different planes, I think, that this thing is operating on. I like that. So, okay, one of the things I'm really enjoying about both of your takes on the funeral is, Kyle, you want to talk about the kind of prestige packaging of this, like as a technical feat, which the show is no stranger to. That's like half of the episodes of this last season have been framed that way. Um, and then, Dave, you're looking at the Shiv Kendall, which I also found pretty interesting and agree with you that Shiv's is a little bit of a like, wah, wah, like afterward. I think it's anything it's foreshadowing into the next episode that she just can't let Kendall take the crown. She can't let Kendall have the last word. Right. And that's actually yeah. in hindsight, the purpose of that, like pretty nothing of a speech. But I want to say what I was really struck by in the funeral was, and we, we've all set aside Roman, it appears, but we could talk about that, is the, the James Cromwell character, Ewan, mm-hmm. who is um, Logan's brother. And one of the things that we were talking about and that Kyle and I have talked about throughout watching the show is that, you know, exactly what you're saying just now. There's no good people. There's no people that we want to be identifying with. There's maybe a scale of people, right? And there's like some people at the margins, such as Rava or Jess, who are more interested in identifying with, but we don't really know anything about. <laughs> but James Cromwell's character comes in at least like he's positioning himself as this kind of, even though he says the beginning of his speech it is not for me to judge my brother. History will tell that story. Um, he is coming in, if anything, is like the closest approximation, I think, to like a moral voice in the whole show. Sure. Yeah, um, but he's a clown. Said. So too, I was wondering what dude. you thought about that. Well, why you do you would... think that? Like, I, I completely agree, especially because he reappears in the last episode and like you see him just as another um guy at the at the board meeting, right? Um Right. They take his vote for granted. They take his vote for granted, in fact. Right, right. Um, but what do you think about, I I think it's an amazing case of like what you both were talking about too, is just how how much is this like showcasing like great acting, like a premise of a funeral is just like a bunch of monologues, basically. It's just like really meaty, peacocky kind of sure. territory for these actors to get, get into, right? Um, but I think he kind of like, his speech is so much better than anyone else's. It's so much more interesting and complicated. Well, interesting. I don't know. I I don't know if it, it, I think Kendall had you know on a, in a playlist. If you're thinking of these three mm-hmm. speeches as tracks or something, right? Or and you're expecting to hear like one banger from Roman that was to like light up the dance club as we understood the dance club of succession to be the, 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 the and speech is a hijack, right? Yeah. And we're like, and, and it's like, and, and so we get the thrill. I mean, okay. 
I have been catching up with a couple of Real Housewives franchises. And the... It's a nice diversion. Well, and I'm realizing the the what I loved about Succession at its best is what I love about some of these Real Housewives franchises, specifically Potomac, I'll shout out, uh, at its best, okay. is like just this bitchiness, <laughs> this like this like feels very high stakes to them, but ultimately in life it's very low stakes, like bitchiness and like just shade yeah. thrown everywhere, and that's what you get mm-hmm. from Ewan is you get this like mm-hmm. shady. Oh, Ewan's gonna talk now, and every and you're like, okay, what is this gonna be? And at the end, he like mm-hmm. says some true things about Logan. It's like, yeah, Logan's a piece of shit. Everybody knows Logan's a piece of shit in the show. Everyone watching knows Logan's a piece of shit. Whatever. Mm-hmm. And and that was that was fun. And and it and it makes Kendall's job harder, or maybe a maybe a stand up. Uh, showcase is a better way of seeing it right it's like how do i follow that (laughs) the eulogy yeah and (laughs) so and so kendall's kendall's the headliner kendall's going up to be the headliner and um he's just had some interesting shit you know like someone like uh attacked someone ran up on stage during the previous set and he has to kind of like act like they're still all there for the same purpose and for what he was doing, I thought Kendall's speech was far and away the best. But hmm. and and Kendall did this thing that in a in a less complicated show would be more mm-hmm. um worthy of praise, which is like sum up this man's life. Like basically like this man was not perfect, but he was ours and this is our one life and that's something to at least acknowledge. And you're like fair. Except that Kendall's whole thing is like, he's equating Logan's ability to earn money and oppress people with life force. And he's saying like, (laughs) I hope to God some of that's in me. And you're like, well, no, uh, we don't hope any of that is in us as viewers. Like, well, so what do you mean by the best speech then? You know, like, well, 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 exactly. Right. Because, because then the thing I wonder, like there's a, um, there's a writer I like, and I'm and I'm trying to find his like, um, the the exact line in the column. But uh, do you know mm-hmm. Drew McGarry? The um, he's like a sports and culture so. writer guy, and he was basically just talking about like seeing these people and wondering, you know, making them wonder like th- they make him wonder like how what do I think success is? Like, what am I willing uh, to do? And so it's like, yeah, I don't want the life force of a Rupert Murdoch type in me, but do, but what I'm wondering is, are, do some people watch this show and think, Hmm. Yeah. If I had the ability to like earn money like that, like, would I be as bad as these people? And maybe I'm a Pollyanna, but I look at this and I'm like, I don't feel in any danger of becoming as bad, you know, as these people. Yeah. Um. So, so that's what I wonder. And then Shiv's speech is like a famous person who doesn't actually do stand up, like trying to come up at the end being like, 
you know, and but but some people are so enamored of Shiv mm-hmm. that they're like, wow, when she talks about her world of a father, like he is complicated. He is. <sighs> a I, I I don't know. It, I, it's, I don't know about that. I'm I'm appreciating it more talking about it. I'm like I'm like the show the show is not just presenting. It's so funny the pe- the people on Twitter. It's like to be and also to be clear in this episode of genre reveal party, we actually have found the correct takes, and so these are the takes right. that if you disagree with, <laughs> you actually are a bad person. Yes, but other yes, people yes. feel and objectively wrong. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Other people feel that feel this way so sincerely about takes. They're like, if you watch the show this way, if you're rooting for someone, you're an idiot. Right. I know. If you're I know. not rooting for someone, you're out of touch with reality. It's like, uh. just <laughs> shut up. Like, what are we? I, I don't. I don't I know. know. I know. Well, what do you think, Kyle? What do you think about you in speech? I hadn't really realized it before. I hadn't really thought about this, but I think uh, I, I did know that I had an expect throughout the show that at some point Ewan was going to um, like throw a wrench in the gears like that he would be a sort of moral force that would be a correct like the that they hadn't like counted on him as being a meaningful factor in some critical decision and I sort of like I kept expecting yeah like that maybe um, uh, like Greg was like you know like like playing three dimensional chess in some way, and you and uh, you know, plus like you know, like a a nod for Matson was going to mean like that Greg got the got the CEO ship. You know that there was going to be some sort of twist that revolved around, I guess, Ewan's moral authority is how we're talking about it here. Mm-hmm. And and I I was I, I think I actually you know even though like I am uh, theoretically opposed to that. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know, like I, I'm, I'm, I'm here for the nihilism and the comedy of, of this. And, and I don't want there to be some, you know, uh, moral, moral authority. Um, <laughs> yeah, moral authority or salvation here. This is not a narrative of transformation or, 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 you know, redemption in, in my estimation. Um, I, I, I think I did unconsciously believe that, like, uh, that, that just as he was going to step up and sort of, you know, throw cold water on the funeral, um, that he was also going to, like, uh, be the thing which, um, which, 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 which changed everything at the end. Um, mm. and, and, you know, so I actually, I guess I'm glad I was wrong about that, um, it, it, you know, in terms of hewing to my, you know, um, my thirst for it to be just just purely nihilistic comedy, uh, and I think you know th- this question about like are they good people? That th- that was like I think you know in your in your last episode together, that was the piece that really caught my attention the most because like, uh, uh, I guess I just don't. I think what is exciting about this show is that it doesn't fucking matter if they're good or bad. Like they're actually like, um, like we decide the, in my sense of it, we are, we, they're bad enough people to distance us, this distance, distanciate, whatever, uh, yeah. to, to like, to, to, to remind us that these are assholes and we shouldn't identify with them, mm-hmm. but they're actually not like for, they're, they're really basically not like sort of, you know, 
murderers, genocidal maniacs, you know, like, uh, like rapists and th- it's not, it's not that they're such horrible. It's the point isn't that they're horrible people and that's what's led to this horrible situation of like capitalism or whatever. The point is that it's a system in which the only ways to act at all are to be horrible people. In fact, not even like to act at all, but like any action will become is is subsumed by capital in such a way that it, that it only can result in harms to other people. Right. Um, Yeah. That's what I think is, is, is pretty cool about it as a show. Right. Is, is that it, it reveals a, like a systems thinking. I think you're right. And, um, but I think it flirts with morality every single episode (laughs) while it's a deeply nihilistic, uh, narrative. And I think that's, what's interesting about Ewan's positioning as what we predict to be a moral authority. What he actually is, is just someone who knows Logan and no one else really knows Logan. And if anyone, um, you know, his wives and his oldest son know Logan the best. And they're all marginal characters, even though they could, they could very much be like brought into the fold, but they're not, they're not in competition for succession. (laughs) Like the three younger siblings are. And so they're, we're following their battle but there's all these other characters around those three characters who knew Logan much more deeply, which is what's haunting in that, you know, when they go to what's now Connor's household and they see the, the video of, you know, this night that he had with Logan and all of his old codgers and Carrie and their, um, you know, doing party games and singing and these type of things. And the three other siblings suddenly feel excluded from something right and i think the same thing is kind of happening in ewan's um eulogy where he's actually like we see in an episode where they you know they go out for like family therapy to um connor's ranch in new mexico um and griffin dunn (laughs) it's like i love that um cameo of his uh is the family therapist but um right you see when he gets out of the pool pool. that he has all these lashings on his back. Mm. Logan does. Right. Mm -hmm. And Marsha is there. Is it Marsha or Martha? I'm sorry. Marsha. Marsha is there. And so she's, she clearly knows about these lashings and covers his back. Right. Mm -hmm. But no one else is And actually earlier in that episode, sorry for jumping to a different season, but, but uh, Shiv says that, um, Logan never goes in the water, right? So they like have no idea about the, this aspect of his mm. life. And so then you're kind of wondering what we know that Logan is a deeply traumatized person. And that's part of why he is a sociopath and a kind of, you know, purely psychological level, like looking at it a little bit differently from this like system series, like there's, his sociopathy is inevitable because he's a capitalist or something like that. But like, we do get a little hint of this backstory that we're never really given much more of until this speech, which is very, yeah, I I found that really interesting. And there's all these other details. So I'm just going to read a little excerpt from it. So he says, you all probably know we came across for the first time during the war for our safety 
which we do kind of know. Um, but the engines of our ship let go and the rest of the convoy sailed on without us, leaving us adrift. They told us children that if we spoke or coughed or moved an inch, that the U-boats would catch the vibrations through the hole and we would die in the drink right there on the hold. Three nights and two days, we stayed quiet, a four-year-old and a five-and-a-half-year-old speaking with our eyes. So he tells this terrible story. He tells the story of when they get to the U.S., Logan is sent by his um, family to uh, a boarding school, catches polio, recovers mm-hmm. from polio on his own at the school, and only then manages to return on his own feet back to the family. But that he blamed himself for his younger sister, Echoes of Shiv, dying of polio. And um, Ewan says that, you know, our aunt and uncle did nothing to, to uh, disabuse him of that notion. They let it lie with him. So it's an interesting kind of like, microcosm of the show at large even though it's doing kind of in reverse what it's withholding the whole show like humanizing logan (laughs) in this way um but just when it just when we get these you know what he calls sob stories he says you know hold up though (laughs) like i'm not judging him i'm telling you the story basically of logan and Mm -hmm. I I can't help but say he has wrought the most terrible things. He was a man who was here and there, drawn in the edges of the world, now and then darkened the sky a little, closed men's hearts, fed that dark flame in men, the hard, mean, hard-relenting flame that keeps their hearths warm while another grows cold, their grains stashed while other another grows hungry, and even has the temerity to tell that hard joke about the man in the cold. You can get a little high, a little mighty when you're warm. He made but a mean estimation in the world, and he had a a certain kind of meagerness. Excuse me. And he fed a certain kind of meagerness in men, too. Perhaps he had to, because he had a certain meagerness about him, and perhaps I do, too. I don't know, but I try. I tried. But at some point, he decided not to try anymore, and it was a terrible shame. It's really interesting, like commentary on, like his own understanding of his class position. It's like maybe there's nothing I can be but this, but I try not to be. <laughs> and my brother did not try. That trying is what differentiates us um, more than anything. And that line about um, um, how he brought out. Um, these things in the world, right? He had a mean, he had but a mean estimation in the world is what Ewan says. And that's really the only complete response that Kendall has in his speech, which closes with his eulogy, which closes with, he was comfortable with this world and he knew it and he liked it. And I say, amen to that. That's Kendall's closing line. Right. Right. It's pretty interesting. I mean that that does seem like a serious condemnation of a of a person, right? I mean, yeah. To 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 look at this world and to and to 
to say like that uh like uh that that it's okay that the status quo is is is, is uh is not only like um, the best it can be but is to be it embraced be. in some way yeah. that it should be that it's prescribed as as good you know uh that you know that <laughs> it's, it's it's hard to think of a, of a of a more damning thing that a person could say about uh, about another person I, you know I, I i don't know that like i guess i'm ultimately not that interested still in like um whether they're good people or bad people yeah like I, yeah like because to me like what i like about it is that they get us into this thing first of like how they're are they're not good people mm-hmm. and then you can see that it wouldn't matter if they were good people right and that's why it's exciting that it's uh like that it's about this system mm-hmm so, I mean, I think that's what you in speech is kind of saying, right. though, right? It's like, I'm going to say all this stuff, which actually sounds moral and probably aligns with, like, what a lot of you hope, you know, the moral voice, moral voice that you have in you as you're watching this um, might be might be speaking to. However, I might be a meager person, too, and there's nothing I can do about it, even though I'm trying I, I might still be that person. And so ultimately I think that's like a great um, segue into what Roman says at the end of, end of the finale to Kendall, his brother, the last thing that he says to him is we're bullshit. We're you know, bullshit. he said, we're bullshit. You're bullshit. She's bullshit. We're all fucking nothing. Right. And um, it seems to me to be kind of, in some ways, what Ewan is saying, even though he's delivering on this this promise of this moral condemnation that we kind of hope for <laughs> to happen at some point, right? So, okay, he wait. doesn't get to like, be the moral figure at the same time. There are no moral figures, right? There's no moral figures. I think that's right. But, but, but like, if we look at the two different tracks that this thing is operating on, mm-hmm. again, if we watch it as a serious drama or whatever, mm-hmm. um, then within the sort of like uh petty psycho like fa- family psychodrama that's taking place in that last scene mm-hmm. you could think that what roman means is we're bullshit but dad was filled with this whatever that's life force that kendall mm-hmm. you know like which is just Maybe. like some mystical fascist garbage, right? Like, you know, like, <laughs> like, like it is, you know, like it's straight out of some like, yeah, like Nazi propaganda about mm-hmm. like, you know, like, uh, like, <laughs> but there, but there, I think there are, I mean, I, I'm not a social media person. You all could tell me, but I was listening to like a, the New York Times, pod, the New York Times opinion page did a special episode of their podcast. Wow. <laughs> right, give it for, to us. Uh, for 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 this yesterday and that was they they were like oh yeah in that scene what they what 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 roman's saying is you know we're all bullshit dad was the real you know he he had the goods you know like Like, that at all i didn't feel like that but i think if you were if if you're watching it at this level up here where where it's It's where it's where this is a serious drama you can't see my hand on the, <laughs> through your ears? Well, you can understand the up yeah. here level up versus here, the up down here. There's the, the down upper there level, level and then there's the lower level. Yeah, yeah. If we're yeah. watching, if, <laughs> for the those people down. out there who are trying to watch this as a drama, mm-hmm. uh, 
Right. You can only understand that that like weird bullshit to mean in comparison to 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 dad who was filled mm. with this, you know, uh like drive for success, this fascist, you know, uh capacity to to sub- to like make everyone else subservient to him. Right. And w- we don't have it, right? We're we're we're, we're not destined we're clowns. clowns and we're not destined to be uh to be the CEO or whatever yeah. uh or the king or you know, uh but if you're not, you know, the, so the, your reading of it there, like that we're all bullshit, includes Logan, right? Yeah. But everyone is bullshit because it's actually because if it's a comedy, then it takes then then the then the then the driving force is the system, a system in which any action is o- is only it doesn't really matter if you're good or bad, you're funny or you're not, and then you know, and then capitalism wins. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think. I mean, in terms of how we understand these various utterances, the uh, the idea of someone saying yes to this world, mm-hmm. um, th- there is a sort of like romantic poet version of that that's like saying yes to life, saying yes to presence. Mm. Uh, uh, that's what Kendall end? thinks what's, he's doing, right? Yeah, like yeah. what's the end of that Rilke poem? The you must change mm-hmm. your life, or yeah. the torso of Apollo. You know, like that 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 has that to it. Yeah, and it, what it makes me think of is another, um, you know, prestige rich white people drama, or is it meta drama? Recently, of White Lotus season mm. two, mm-hmm. when at the very Which we beginning, also saw. <laughs> Congratulations. Yes. Good. Yes, good, good. Um uh so at the very beginning of season 2 uh god now I'm I'm so heat It's blamed. okay, buddy. Cool. Um April Ludgate. What is her name? The character or the the actor who plays April Ludgate in Parks and Recreation. Um, yeah. Oh, uh, why am I having a break? It's not even that hot here. Yeah, you're the pop culture. <laughs> it, yeah. I, I know her. Anyway, I, know. I know who I'm talking about. Yeah, she and uh, her, the, the two oh, couples. I feel really bad that I don't know her name. Yeah, okay. She's like the hot, the, everyone loves her. I, I don't know why I'm like totally spacing. The two couples in White Lotus, there's like their, their couple. And then there's the couple. Aubrey Plaza. Aubrey Plaza. Aubrey Plaza and her husband in that show yeah. are like like are having one of their first conversations with their couple friends. Right. And they're kind of talking about like you know they're like, "Oh, how are you guys doing?" and and the Aubrey Plaza couple is like, "Oh, you know, about as about as well as we can do in the world." And they're just kind of looking at them like, "What do you mean?" Mm-hmm. You know, and <laughs> and they even talk about that afterwards like do they not read the news, you know? And so I think there are, and I think there are some people who watch succession who are like, who are like, okay, uh, I, I, he sees this world and he likes it. Mm -hmm. And what they think is not, is not like, Oh, he sees the suffering. He sees police brutality. He sees whatever and likes it. They're just seeing, he sees a honeysuckle. He sees a, a tall building and yes to yeah, those tall buildings he erected. Yeah, right. And so like I think the, I think there is a type of person who sees that. And okay, one of the I found one of the pieces that I wanted to okay, good. uh share. It's this it's this merry-go-round magazine, which I don't know that much about. 
But um, <laughs> this writer just really took the opportunity of watching Succession to lean into the what's more purple than purple. Uh, whatever color that is, is the color of the prose in this piece. And he's like, he's okay. So where he, oh my God. Okay. Um, okay. Season. He, this is just, I'll read one paragraph of this. Uh, season one felt executive producer, Adam McKay's hand heaviest. Littered with gallivanting monologues and writing staff soliloquies that hogged the camera. Mm. But as the show grew more secure, as evident from the second season's leap in quality, that growth was startlingly quick. Characters barked their dialogue in in quicker succession, rightfully fearing that they'd be railroaded by another in a cast of bullet trains. Mm. It was music. How the fuck do you talk to these freaks? Too many details and you're a prattling banshee. Too few, and you're hanged and gibbeted for your menial insights. You play the exact tempo, or you get Pete bested from the band, motherfucker. My best friend forced me to watch Succession in 2018. I understood the concept. Rich people are bad. Yes, okay, I get it. We all understand. Mm -hmm. Do we need another show about this? What Jesse Armstrong posited was, well, if not how bad, then how recognizably pathetic. This morbid curiosity... Evenly inspired by Vinterberg's The Celebration and Your Most Nervous Breakdown was matched with the ecstasy of watching a show filled with dickheads who talked just like me, prattling off banter out the urethra of the brain. If you watch Succession because these people talk like you... I, I, we just, it's a non-starter. I don't know how to have a conversation with the person who watched Succession for that reason. Because th- not only do all, we, we determined last episode, all these characters essentially talk the same, except mm-hmm. Greg speaks in like half time. Yeah, slower. <laughs> and then, but, but also, it's like l- later on in this, in this review, he talks about how, how it took him so long to figure out like, um, how Logan, Logan fucked the kids in the season three finale and how, how much Byzantine business nomenclature there is in this. I did not find there to be any like crazy business nomenclature in this at all. Occasionally I was like, are they talking about a stock price or are they talking about an overall price? But yeah, in general, sure. this was not like fucking what's the Adam McCain, the big, sh- this was not the big short. No, no, no. Know, yeah. The, yeah. Anything like that. If anything, and they're so- fucking around with that a lot. Right. Right, 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 right. Yeah. In a way that's because like, these guys don't actually know anything about business. They're not actually. <laughs> they're not like trying to. I mean, because actual capitalism today functions based on very marginal gains. They're not at all interested in the differences between stock. You know, they care about the. They care about the stock price in as much as it's inextricably intertwined with the image of the company. Mm-hmm. And they care about their image ostensibly, you know, like there's all these scenes in the funeral thing where you see that they're, that the whole thing is being broadcast. And so you can see that they care so much about the, the, the way that, it, that the optics, right? Be, and, and it's, and, and presumably that's because the stock price hinges on the, on the optics. But I don't think like, no, the, the, like I don't know very much about about any of that business stuff, and it was super easy to follow. I mean, I think we compare that it, it to what, what's the show? Uh, Industry, the bank? Industry, Industry. You know, like that show has like tons of nomenclature, you know, specific discourse about 
mm. about you know which uh, i love i think it's the anti-succession hedge funds yeah. and you know like uh because those are the characters are actually involved in the the material uh like trading and you know the the doing of like material and abstract trading <laughs> they're sure. on the they're yeah. on the ground like dealing with numbers and data and things like this and like what they're doing you have a sense right. of having actual consequence whereas you don't really know nor do the characters really know i mean i think the last episode is really amazing kendall thinks he's 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 got it in the beginning you're like you might not even have more than two votes dude you know you need you need to have seven votes to get this you might not even have two right he has no it's not very idea big math <laughs> right, right, right. It's not like a factorial not, of some yeah, shit. Like there's yeah, no yeah, calculus, yeah. like you know, involved in any of this. Like, can you count to four? Is the is <laughs> the math great involved? Scene where, like, Shiv has like a piece of paper that she's got like against the wall, and she's doing tick marks and things like that. But that's like <laughs> that's the closest to that kind of a you know gameplay scene I think we ever get. Right. And Matt, but I Matt's think kind the of on the lack, couch, like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I think the lack of that kind of nomenclature allowed people in to the accessibility of like, yeah. oh, this is a comedy. We're just here for the human uh, behavior that's mm-hmm. happening here. But then I think, so I think, Kyle, where I have trouble with your two tracks sure, sure. Is, is I think there's multiple, like, like, uh, U-turns and 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 islands and and places in between the two tracks that mm. that the show allows for. Mm. So the show's like, hey, we're gonna make this super easy to understand. Yes, it's business, but it's really just these fools. But mm. then it wants to do the thing where it's like, but don't you kind of relate to these fools? And and that's where I think everyone has wildly different opinions. Of like, some people are like. Some people are like, well, no, I don't really relate to them. But the idea of being trapped, like there were people on Twitter talking about generational trauma in relationship to this show, which I'm sorry. No one's getting freed from anything at the end of this show. No one's broken any cycles. So it's like so it's accessible in, in its language enough that everyone's kind of on the same page. But then I think because we're all having this good time, some people are i mean it's it, it's funny that the distantiation seems to be like the key word actually here <laughs> because it like the the amount of if i'm using it right the amount of distantiation that's happening yeah seems to be the key to different people's takes on the show i think Is you're right. right i think yeah. you're right and i think you know that's what it, it makes it both the same and the opposite of um of white lotus right because um, White Lotus, I think the Aubrey Plaza character, my my sense of that show was that um, she was the target audience of that season and the Sydney Sweeney character was the target audience of the first season. And you're very much supposed to be kind of like rooting for particular characters and um, characters are not decentered based on their class position. In fact, it's very much interested in this kind of upstairs, downstairs dynamic. Sure. Whereas in this, like I mentioned, I mean, I do think Jess is a really interesting character, but we really don't ever get to know her 
And then in the new, in the last season, there's a new character whose face we never see who um, Kendall just calls new Jess. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like mm. it's, it's oh, in the last episode. Yeah. And it is actually really interested in, and maybe at a meta level, but like maintaining this hierarchy of characters, it's an ensemble, but it has a hierarchy, right? It's very interested in having a hierarchy and referring to the hierarchy throughout, like the second tier mourners, right? That Connor refers to. He's the second tier um, <laughs> sibling. Mm-hmm. Um, there's often like Kendall says, I'm the eldest boy. And Shiv's like, you're not. <laughs> You're not actually even the eldest yeah. boy. Right? But it's <laughs> oh well, that scene is like. I mean, I don't know if we want to go. If we want, we might as well jump to I talk about that. Boy. Scene. <laughs> it reminded right? me of the Fury Road scene where he's like, uh, "I had a baby brother." <laughs> remember that scene in Fury? Road? No, I don't remember that one. Uh, well, we'll have to talk about it. This was what it reminded the me of. Spring, the whole of season um, Mad Max. Yeah, but um. It's just this grotesque scene, but it is all about that. He he doesn't even see that that's that's false because he's just operating in terms of this hierarchy of, yeah. of status among the characters. So I think it's a kind of different show for that reason. And because of that, opportunities that we might have to have a better kind of identification as we have in like White Lotus, where we're like, we're rooting for the hookers. Like we hope they like <laughs> steal all the money and go and go on the run and go Thelma and Louise style, but they don't die or something like that. Like we don't have any, any, we have like a little taste of that here and here and there. And then it like withdraws. Like we don't get to know those characters. They're out of the narrative space. Um, excluded from the drama because it, it really is about maintaining this kind of nihilistic yeah this nihilistic space in some way I'm looking at, I'm looking at Kyle's face and I'm like he's disagreeing yeah Kyle's ready me. Kyle's ready <laughs> I, I hadn't really thought about this before but like this this is I'll just try this on like I mean maybe it's just shallow maybe maybe people already know this but like I'm I'm thinking of that like uh overused Ursula K. Le Guin quote about like, uh, you know, the power of King. But it's such a good quote. Yeah. Like, I think it's like, uh, you know, we live in capitalism. Let's call it iconic. Sure. (laughs) Yeah. Important. Influential. Uh, Is Le Guin has this thing about like, we live in capital. Hopefully I'm getting it right. We live in cap. We live under capitalism. Uh, It's power seems inevitable Mm -hmm. and I think she maybe she says transhistorical. That's more. I think inevitable. Inevitable, uh, you know, um, like, but the you know, so once did the power of kings, right? right? The divine right right of kings, right? right? And that that you know, I feel like that that could actually be the seed of this Mm. show in some ways, right? Because it's like we have, like, I was just thinking about what we were just talking about about like the how the succession happens and like how it actually has nothing to do with the actual mechanics of capitalism today. It actually has just to do with this sort of drama between you know, in their heads anyway, like. Mm Like, it's all about this sort of, like, uh, like who's going to take up the mantle of, you know, of greatness and stuff. Mm-hmm. And on one, and that's the, the, the level. I, I'm moving my hands around <laughs> yes, on the screen yeah. here. We're at the top. We're near the top level. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, like it, it, that is the level at which 
some people can see it as this Shakespearean dramatic thing of like, you know, like competition between these characters to be this great thing. But at the other level, uh, it's not, it's a comedy because it's about how this too will pass, right? Mm. Like capitalism is also just a system that like, you know, is, is made up of, of, of bullshit players, people who aren't good or bad, but and how are, seriously like, are they just, take themselves. A series of contingencies that, you know, that, 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 like, you know, there could be things that would disrupt it. it at present, it seems in the narrative universe of succession, it seems impossible that it would be disrupted because every single action is resubsumed, re, you know, recuperated by global capitalism. But, but, you know, obviously it's not going to last forever. Right. right. Um, yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's why it, that, it's it's like it playing that out is I think like the the belly chuckle um, is is the laughter part. Mm. The I found the the quote from the Drew McGarry. I, I don't know how to say his last name. He, he it's an article in sfgate.com. Um, it's another Dave reads a paragraph of an article section. So uh, need some sort of like sparkling rainbow. Sound. Here, here's where I go because I think I think this will relate. Yes, exactly. <laughs> this will relate to what we're saying. So he says, "Great art creates a dialogue between itself and the viewer." I, I would argue that all art does that, and the viewer actually does that. But <laughs> and while Succession ended last night, that dialogue doesn't have to. While watching it, my own gears turned. Now that it's over, they remain in motion. The show begged a lot of questions that are easy to answer from a distance, but less so when I have to confront them personally. Distantiation. And, and, and I, <laughs> yes, but, but I, but I think, you know what it is? Hmm. Like, and I'm going to like add little like actual editorial comments Good. here as I'm reading this because I don't, I kind of refuse to confront these questions personally that he's about to propose. And I think that's why I differ than him. So here are the questions that are, harder when you have to confront them personally what is success is it just making money or is it using that money to change people's lives in irrevocable and perhaps awful ways is everything worth sacrificing for success even love and family pause there no absolutely not there are just such obvious answers to some of these questions that I, that it's, it's like are you okay man <laughs> right then okay so then he says are americans in the internet age more interested in the people they dislike than the people they like mm. than the people they love am i that way are you if i had as much power as the roys would i sell out and fuck off to a private island the way i would normally boast about such things or would power give me such a blind sense of purpose that it would lead me straight into delusion are my gut answers to those questions just tidy political positions? Am I bullshit too? So it's like, I get that. But <laughs> That's such a good answer. Wait, wait, wait. I, I, let's go one layer more meta for a second. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love that you can't read those questions without sounding like Tucker Carlson. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, no. am I bullshit? Are you? Right. Well, it's just like, I, 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 I understand. And, and actually, you know what it is? I'll give people who are engaging with the show in this way credit because they're saying i want to think about these things i want to think about success in my own life which is like totally cool but the way i think about success in my own life just has so little overlap and relationship to 
these specific characters mm-hmm. that it doesn't make me examine my own life. It's right. it, mm-hmm. it makes me think about maybe the nature of some of the emotions mm-hmm. about the nature of like Kyle's talking about like a blood, you know, of succession of passing on, you know, of what are timeless things, what mm-hmm. are not, but it doesn't make me like really question myself. You mean because you have social relationships that aren't subsumed by capital? Like, there's things that well, you care about. Well, or that about. I'm deluded into thinking that that's the Sure, case. sure, sure. Yeah, but, like, exactly. you know, like, yeah. like, 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 you're like, you're offended by his question of, like, you know, like, uh, about family, right? Like, you're like, of course we care. It's we, just like, like you know. so odd. It's like, I, I mean, yeah. it, I don't think that I'm that good of a person that, like, I'm that out of touch with people to say, like, are some things were are some things is everything worth sacrificing for success? Most of the people I know would say no. Yeah, no, of course not. Right, yeah. right, right. Like, what? Right. And that's because there is, you know, there is everyday communism still, right? We have a variety of forms of, of, of like of sociality which are which are not actually subject to the to the logic of capital, right? But succession is a world in which like in which there everything are everything no is transactional. Forms. Everything is transactional, right? Right. Mm-hmm. right. And and even like the the most like sincere attempts to do something which is not transactional is are always going to be like, you know, lured back, pulled back in. Right. right? And that's, you know, like we were talking a little bit about like uh, maternalism in this, right? Mm -hmm. Like Madeline and I were like one-on-one and like, even the even the characters that we think are sort of like you know like have an element of redemption or they like they really but with Rava right uh, this is Kendall's ex wife ex wife mm-hmm. right uh, you know she clearly cares most in all of this about her kids right uh like you know every act, we almost never see her and every time we do see her it's because she's trying to protect her kids basically from being like corrupted and, and, and harmed by, by this family in some way, right. Or harmed by the effects of this family. Mm -hmm. But even, even in that instance, like her biggest, uh, pawn her biggest sort of like token in this you know in this board game of 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 world power is those kids because they're her link to succession and her link to wealth so protecting them is the best fucking thing she can do in terms of protecting her own like you know her own like uh you know ability to win in the game or to get some marginal wins out of it Uh, so there is no way that you can act in this in this world which which isn't which isn't always going to be like pulled back in you know i mean it's kind of a godfather you know like thing in that way but not in the way that the godfather you know, i mean i think we could also talk about uh in comparison to uh to to the sopranos right it's sort of like very early moment of uh what do we call it? prestige television mm-hmm. um, because there you have someone who has this tremendous amount of psychological uh turmoil like there's all sorts of things going on for tony soprano that we then learn about because he's in psychotherapy and blah 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 and he's still a murdering bastard and a misogynist and but we kind of do identify with him because we can empathize with him here Mm -hmm. i think the whole thing is like 
there really is no room for for most of that other kinds of complexity because they just become robots like mm. you know and the and all this stuff about are they great actors or not is just fucking garbage because yeah. like all, the whole thing <laughs> is like go out there and be a robot yeah just go be a robot that like is you know like what's the best way to win in capitalism mm-hmm. and every other kind of conflicting emotion is always going to just be secondary to that but in oh, a way, sorry, it is. A lot of talking. No, that was great. no, no, no. In a way, it is kind of. You know what? I'm really grateful for this conversation for is that it is making me hate people on the internet less. <laughs> oh, because because it's making me realize that because because anytime we're we're making a a definitive pronouncement. Mm-hmm. Like Kyle, you just said, like that. There's no room for that type of identification. My brain immediately went off and is like, "Well, uh, there of course there's room. So many people have made room, right, but sure. that is actually what I'm like. Wow, people just really want to like identify with characters in stories, and I don't think it's like a super. In some ways, maybe it's a retrograde impulse, but in a lot of ways, it's like people just trying to. They're seeing this story. Maybe it has no bearing on their lives, but mm-hmm. still they're like, I just want to think through this. What would I do if I had this money? Yeah. And that, that makes me a lot softer toward people. To mm. be like, oh, people aren't like, you know, judging me for how I'm relating to this. They're just like struggling to find their own way of, of relating I to see. this. Well, I think that's what I, I'm, I'm, I'm still like, at best meta clusterfuck about this show in some ways because yeah. of that, right? Because it's definitely playing I mean, like our like our listeners said, you know, it's a it's a liberal melodrama on the one hand, very, very clearly, and um knows itself to be a site of like profound identification and it's it's spreading that out you know through an ensemble cast and thinking you know thinking about all these kind of niche audiences that are looking at it differently and their readings are kind of like refracting off each other in different ways like you can totally watch this and just be rooting for cousin greg right and you can just be some frat boy who's just like i love greg like i hope he becomes you know (laughs) like you can definitely do that and you can be satisfied with this product right you can also read it in the way that we're reading it and so that's part of what's you know politically confusing about its meta-ness or something like Mm -hmm. this right but um but the fact that it enables all of these conflicting interpretations is really interesting (laughs) right as opposed to something like i really like the white lotus um comparison because that is all about like building towards this moment of um you know uh conclusion right like having the the mystery is solved and therefore you can walk away right and so all of these these even if you are kind of identifying with a character along the way and it's kind of fun to be like imagining yourself as aubrey plaza or someone else you know um ultimately you can you can just walk away from that you know it's just we found out who did it who died okay cool you know in fact i don't even remember <laughs> well i do actually <laughs> but you know i it took me a second then the to even remember it. yeah i love the gays doing it so anyways like i think that's really but wait so so you're saying with succession that they're 
that it's not allowing us that that cleanness or it is allowing us that cleanness? it's not allowing us that cleanness it's it's very messy mm. you can you can still go along for the ride and enjoy it in whatever way you want to um choose your own adventure right, right. style yeah. in kendall's words right but like right. in terms of kind of narrative and genre and political determinacy it's not going to give you that you know it's it, through any mm. of these character identification routes that you choose you know um, yeah. and I think that Kim- one of the things that Kyle was saying earlier about like, you don't really, they're just robots. I do think that's a really interesting thing about Shiv's pregnancy. And at some point I want to talk about that. Sure. Again now, Let's but do it. the fact that nobody until her mom, okay. The, I'm going to cast shade on my gay friend, Phil, who was like, Oh, I totally forgot she was pregnant. I was like, what are you talking about? Like, I was watching episode upon episode upon episode being like, she's concealing her pregnancy. Matson just handed her a vial of cocaine and she's just like playing with the rims of it. Is she going to use it? Is she going to drink? What is she going to do? What is she wearing? All these, like the, there's a whole bunch, you know, talk about identification, but I was just like wrapped up in this whole thing of her concealing her pregnancy and multiple mm-hmm. times. And part of that is the actress. Like part of that is like, how is the show working with the actress having been pregnant? Right. Body. And, and part of it is the character yes. concealing her pregnancy to other. Exactly. Characters. Yeah. But there's a, a few times in season four where Shiv says to other people, including her brothers, don't look at me. Um, mm-hmm. And we talked in our last episode about how, whether they knew it or not, initially Shiv's outfits became a really, you know, important point of fascination among fans with the show. And I think her outfits and like her desire to conceal and, you know, she's never wearing a maternity outfit, you know, through this whole thing. She's mm-hmm. always wearing these like pantsuits and things like that, that honestly look really uncomfortable. Um, mm-hmm. And she's hiding right? She's hiding what's inside. (laughs) And I just found it to be an amazing metaphor for like everything that all of the characters have to be doing. Right. Um, But it was interesting Mm, how like hiding their humanity sort of thing, hiding what hiding their pain, hiding, hiding that they have Mm. something going on inside some internality at all. Right. Right. right, They're just pure externality, pure like um, busting balls you know, mm-hmm. feigning their way to the top, right? Like, but then there's suddenly this like incredible device to be thinking about what's hiding, you know, <laughs> and what's being hidden. So I was wondering what you all thought about about that plot point through the fourth season. Well, the the main thing I thought about, and I saw I saw your notes in our in our planning doc, Madeline. Okay. So. You, I happy Just to plagiarize like, me. give yeah, you sorry. credit for. The, well, no, have you like <laughs> expound on these things? Because because the um her the, the the I just I don't have as much you know identification with you know sure. being pregnant, motherhood, all that kind of stuff. Totally see what you're saying. the The most savage moment of that was a very um real housewivesy savage. Is it blimey for me? Well, it was whenever she see when her mom yeah. basically clocks her pregnancy, and yeah, yeah they exchange yeah. like three words. She's, oh, are you Rhyme. all right? Dot dot dot. 
Blimey. <laughs> yeah. So good. Like, and, and doesn't she also express some sort of disappointment? Like, oh, oh, oh great. Or something like that. I don't. Maybe blimey. I is think blimey is that note. Yeah. But yeah, it's being so that the was not really... quite conversation of it all. Right. Like. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. That So that moment just really like mowed me down. Because I love that moment. Because I find, it, speaking of mothers in the show. Mm-hmm. The the way that they're that the siblings' mother is evil, I find it mostly coming from the way they talk about her. Right. Like right. obviously she's horrible, but I feel like most of the damage she's done to them has happened before the show starts. So I found it hard to always be like like Logan is obviously evil. Yeah. She was only obviously evil to me. When she and Shiv have that conversation about how, like, n- during her wedding, wedding or something, yeah, the, when the she's like, oh, I should have party. not become a mother or something like that. Yeah. You know, then I'm like, okay, this woman's awful. But for, but a lot of times she just seems, like, closed down in specific ways. But that blimey moment was, like, very much, I was like, oh, I feel the the weight of how horrible this woman is. And I also liked in your notes, Madeline, Mm -hmm. when you talked about her, um, her face eggs moment, talking about like how much she hates eyes. Eyes. And I did not put it together until I looked at your notes, Madeline, how fucking edible it is (laughs) that this woman is talking about like hating eyes. I'm like, Whoa, that is a good fucking pull dude. So I just want to get you. Yeah. Actually eyeballs came up a lot in that last episode. Um, pretty interesting. Remind me when Tom tells Matson that he deals with, I think it's like eyeballs and guts and, um, Mm, meaning television news. Right. Right, Yeah. Yeah. When he, but but not, who knows what the fuck he's talking about in that scene. <laughs> he's like, I'm a grinder. And then a sentence later, you're like, oh, he's saying he's a teeth grinder. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like, what do you, you know, this really interesting. All the words that he spews out are of, like tons of ambiguity. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'll sing for my supper. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'll sing for my supper. Yeah, right. Well, I mean, more than any. Okay, wait, I don't want to get out too far away from the moms because I think we we, we have to talk about Tom here in a moment. Yeah. Right? But uh, the moms, I mean, I'm going to double down on these are all robots, yeah. right? The moms just happen to be childbearing robots, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, these are not like uh, these. They're again in, you know, in, in, in whatever i don't care if i'm right or whatever but um but for me like the the are right sense. answers so yeah yeah right yeah uh of course yeah right and wrong uh for me <laughs> like the 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 ways in which they that the in which the the mothers and all the other characters the motherhood is important in this only because in our regular world motherhood and maternalism uh, and family more generally are one of the few like clear spheres of sociality, which are largely outside of capitalism. You know, I mean, they're, uh, subsumed by they're they are, you know, they're, they're an externality frequently to capitalism and, you know, through the various forms of free labor and, uh, and, you know, and, uh, and, you know, uh, like 
cheap cheap social reproduction but they're they're not like the 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 social relationships in the home and especially between mothers and children are of, are an ongoing form of everyday communism and so what's important about there being mothers in this isn't actually that they're very particularly maternal it's that the in my reading again the the maternalism is always again like turned back into this kind of weapon mm. of like how good of a robot can i be at like mm. in the fight for the throne mm. right and i think we finally see that the most clearly in that last scene you know with uh, with with shiv and tom in the limo or whatever right mm. because she's like she isn't necessarily in any way indicated to us indicated to the viewer that she's going to become a mother because she cares about a baby she's like oh this is the clear way that i am part of the succession mm. because let's see i'm gonna have the ceo's kid and the grandson of the of the great logan roy right and so they take this you know this regal pose on the in the throne slash uh like um you know, all these sort of art historical illusions of like, you know, how they hold each other's don't they hold hands in this open way. It looks very like, you know, uh, kings and queens on the throne, right? Mm -hmm. And that's because I was thinking it's Scorpion like, and Toad or Frog. I always forget. Oh, yeah. yeah nice. I, I like that. That was the hand. Yeah, but go ahead. Sorry. I just see it as like, you know, like the, there's going to be one of these golden baubles of the mm. cross or some bullshit sure. set in it, you know, right. uh, you know, that they're being throned in this. Uh, I mean, that they're being crowned in this in this limousine mm -hmm. and her access to that succession is now in her capacity as of childbearing robot mm. and, and rather than as a CEO robot. As a bloodline, like as yeah. Roman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because she's like, part of the succession. She's got the bloodline in that, you know, I guess. Yeah. She's got the, the good. They say it very directly in that fight. Yeah. Yeah. In that fight scene. Yeah. Yeah. Because right. like, he's like, you're not, you got cucked, bro. Like, uh, you know, like, like Rava's that. kids aren't, aren't your kids. Right. They're not really part of the succession. Only Shiv here, you know, right. I'm obviously, you know, yeah. Roman's not going to make kids. He can't even, you know, get off. Right? right. Like, uh, like it's only Shiv that's, that's actually going to be able to be part of this quote unquote succession. And Shiv knows that. Roman's just Shiv saying knows it that. In that moment. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's an interesting scene with Roman too, because okay, so Kendall attacks Roman, and we're seeing through mm -hmm. that episode, Kendall is becoming more and more Logan, right? He's becoming violent. We've never seen him do that right. before. Right. He's been he's killed somebody, but like in a kind of passive manner. He's definitely harmed a bunch of people. He's been harmed, but he's doing what we know his father did to Roman at least. And that happened to Ro to Logan. He's actually yeah, doing okay. physical violence. Right. Mm -hmm, so when he, mm -hmm. we see this twice, he holds Roman to him and his stitches pop bloodline. Right. On his face. Oh <laughs> shit. A bloodline. Damn. Oh, that's and then we good. see this okay. a second time um, when he's again, going after Roman's face, right? And then he grabs Shiv. This is when he knows that Shiv is going to go into the boardroom and say, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. vote right. against him, right? He grabs her and Roman, like, he does become a force. He actually, like, gets bigger and pushes his brother off and he says, um, she's fucking she's pregnant. pregnant. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is this really interesting moment for Roman, who like when he finds out his sister's pregnant, he says, "Is it mine? <laughs> is you it know? mine? Is it mine?" And then he just starts <laughs> laughing when he finds out that it's Tom, and he says, "You right. know, I'm not going to stop with these jokes." You know, but then that is this like really interesting moment of of protection that mirrors this moment when Logan hits Roman earlier on right. and Kendall defends him. Defends yeah. Roman, right? It yeah. really is yeah. asking us to think, you know, Kendall, whether or not he's going to get the throne, he has become his father, right? And in fact, a much worse version of his father because he doesn't even have the power that his father had well and he hasn't even re- he's trying he's scrambling which is craft wise i like actually like the the thing that i was hating on after this last episode that this conversation is again softening me on mm-hmm. is just like i've just been seeing people give jesse armstrong and mark mylod the frequent director mm-hmm. so yeah. much credit for just being British and like <laughs> and fucking, we, well, we got an email from Fergus I know who called, who I, I don't know where Fergus is from, but He's fucking from kill me if, if the name Fergus is not British, you know what I mean? And Fergus is saying that the UK is a joke of a country. Mm-hmm. American TV viewers want to suck the dick of of british tv creators so badly Mm -hmm. and prostrate themselves and be like these these are our gods they're they they're operating on a different level this is why industry is even more fascinating huh as a counterpoint mm, kyle the bbc hbo production oh okay keep going but yeah 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 the the thing that i do really like and and when we talk about tom there's another thing Mm -hmm. that i really like okay as a as a not even as a comedian, okay. just as a little mischief-making person, personality type of person. Uh, frequently, when I'm watching a movie, especially like at home, it's just me and Hope, my partner. I'll just like say some shit as if like, what if this thing happened right now? And it's like maybe an annoying trait, but it's like, <laughs> it's it's just like, what if this thing that totally broke the reality of the of everything that's previously been established happened right now. Okay. And the, the only movie that's done it is mean girls. When towards Mm -hmm. the very end of the movie, they're talking about like, um, like the, the, the mean girls after Lindsay Lohan's character has been rehabilitated. Okay. The mean girls like get hit by a bus. Oh yeah. And for a moment when you're like, what the fuck did this comedy like that has not been violent in this way? <laughs> did they really just like kill all these characters? Cause like, wouldn't that be funny? Gone if Heathers got hit. Yeah. And then it's yeah. like, and then it's, and then it becomes clear that like Lindsay Lohan was like imagining in it, yeah. but it's like for long enough that you're like, Oh my God. And I love that. And so the thing <laughs> I love like that is in the fight and they can own it's own could only happen in a final, in a finale mm-hmm. is, is, Ro- Kendall just pulls out all the stop, just completely like he's they're like, I didn't murder him. Com- yeah, just didn't murder. And they're like, Are you sure? And he's like, Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. You know, or like the I'm the eldest boy thing. He's just saying like all the subtext is text in that moment yeah. in a way yeah. that is like that to me is the like mm. funniest yeah. comedy gets on the show. No, it was really good. 
And that's the right, only right because Kendall's can a talking robot. British creators, you know. Kendall's a right? talking no, robot. Wait, can I make a recommendation that you all keep talking about movies, but you don't watch movies together? Because Madeline will like kill you if you interrupt films like with this kind of like, what if this happens? <laughs> that is not going to fly. In but you know what I do room. love, baby, is when you um, comment on how like when there's construction scenes or like plumbing or something like that. <laughs> you, you point out how it's unrealistic. I, I love that. Yeah, I love yeah, that. Yeah. Or the cars aren't period specific. Yeah. Oh, my the, favorite really to good. do with that is recovery. I like I like pointing mm. out if there's a if the AA oh, scene nice. is I'm like, no one stands up at, or, or uh-huh, most people uh-huh. don't stand up yeah. or whatever. It is. Nice, you know what I mean? Nice. But, um, no, but they do know because anyway. they're in writer's rooms. <laughs> can we, can we hit on Tom? Yeah, let's. Are we ready for Tom? Let's hit on Tom. To. I want to. Well, I, okay. I, like, I think I, I, for Tom, for me to talk about Tom, I got to talk about, I got to reveal the genre. Well, we're going to wait for a minute Great. then because <laughs> I want to talk about one thing before that, which is the Shakespeare tease of this sure. okay. okay so the tease what do you mean so the since the big be- well it's just it's it's playing with a few oh, oh okay. um yeah. a few readings and a lot of people were really interested in like predicting it according to its shakespearean references right, right? to lear primarily lear right so it started out in the um creators at various levels were acknowledging you know the, the king learness of it all that it, it could be a, a leer of our times which i think it's at kyle's point uh, about the ursula k Le Guin, um iconic quote uh, really <laughs> well um but they hired brian cox who's he that's like the most famous thing that he's he's done shakespeare wise is king lear and he's mm. a lot of people say he's the best lear of of his time but I'm not going to get into the that. Lear that's since that's Lear. a conversation. We've got, we've got Ian Holm. We've got we've got a bunch of people. We've got Ian McKellen. Ian McKellen. We've got, we've got Anthony Hopkins. Yes, we got a lot of we got a lot yeah. of Lears. But the end of Lear, and there's a whole bunch of stuff with Hamlet and whatnot. I'm going to just side that. Okay, I want to make yeah. two. Points. So, by the way, spoilers for King Lear here. Right yes, now, spoiler. <laughs> He's a bastard. <laughs> Centuries old spoiler here. Um, the end of Lear. Um, all you know, Lear dies. His three children die, and so his successor becomes his son-in-law, who then shares his power with Edgar, who's this like outsider character oh, who's disguised yeah, himself yeah, yeah. as a beggar yeah. through the whole thing. So there's definitely Possibly like strong. Sweet tom greg vibes <laughs> well wait isn't edgar what what isn't his name like blind tom or poor tom or poor something tom like that? no 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 so that's no no but but that's something that in the in the in succession tom is often called poor tom or poor like tom. referred to in this kind of beggarly way right mm-hmm. um so there's that singing for his supper. and i think that's very yeah singing for his supper so there's that that's a really interesting to counterpose Shiv's prediction to Matson that unless they do it friendly, the board meeting is going to turn into Lady Macbeth too, which I like, I complete, I think that might be the best line in the whole show because there wasn't a Lady Macbeth one, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. but, um, <laughs> but I love that that's how the episode is set up. Like just if you're watching it for the Shakespeare vibes, right? Like, 
if you're, mm. but a lot of people were, and I definitely think that kind of intertextual play is, is pretty interesting about it. Um, so Tom's succession, like really neatly aligns with that King, King Lear reading though. So I wanted to say that before we go into genre reveal. If, if you have any other points though, well, my non-genre Tom thought yeah. is just it's some it's something that other people have pointed to, but it's it's such a clever observation that it is worth bringing to the attention of anyone who's listening to genre reveal party, but n- might not have come across it. Which is that his n- Tom Wamsgans is you know at least at the very we if not named after shares a name with a baseball player. Oh. Named like 1922. Yeah, yeah. Ooh. Who pulled off an unassisted triple play? Triple, Meaning play. he got out three, well, runners, batters runners. or runners, without the help of any other. You know, a normal double play is has at least three people. The shortstop flips it to the second baseman, flips it to the first baseman. Unassisted, like unassisted triple play. Almost never happens. So the fact it's, that I think it, I think what they say it's the only time that it's ever happened in the. Oh, is it the only? Maybe it's. I think, or maybe it's the only time it's ever happened in the series, something like that. I read a, up on it a little bit. Yeah. yeah, it's like it's a history making thing. So from insane. Like Twenty two. Okay. It's never happened again. This Wamsgans got out three people by himself, and the fact that that yeah. was just fucking sitting there for, sitting there for five no. years is like that is that is a clever piece of writing. Yeah, because. This is another thing we could talk about is like writing is not just dialogue. Writing is like the structure of things, you know? And so like, so, and names is is a very small part of writing, Mm -hmm. but like fucking good on them, dude. Just like, that's the kind of thing that's like not overly showy to me because they never like, no one references it. No one like Tom, like Tom is never watching like what he was on. He's never like watching something like this is my namesake, Greg. Yeah, he's ne- he's never play. wearing like a a Cleveland <laughs> Naps or a Philadelphia Athletics hat. You yeah. know what I mean? It's like never there. So that is a thing. I will, that's a, like a not too showy thing. I gotta yeah, give hats super off. fucking huge credit. Well, it is yeah. cool how they like they and it's it's again my like algorithm theory. It's like it hits the sports people and it hits the Shakespeare people. <laughs> sure, <laughs> you know? sure, like, totally, totally. <laughs> be watching it maybe there were people who were like just watching it as a you know as a sports game you know and knew that reference even (laughs) we're just it's just totally nicheified in terms of how we're experiencing this narrative you know sports game is close yeah sports game is close for genre reveal (laughs) oh oh Oh, let's do it let's do the genre genre reveal now So, uh, it. I mean, I think it's fitting that we do a genre reveal as we talk about Tom, who yeah. is the successor, you know. Successor reveal. <laughs> successor reveal, exactly. So, Kyle, I mean, we you're, you're hear like it, chomping man. at the bit. I want to hear it. Oh, okay. Yeah, sure. Okay. So, the genre of succession. Wait, did first, you can we talk about the show? In the mirror, like Roman did his eulogy. <laughs> I did not practice it. Hell yeah. <laughs> uh, we don't. You you know that we don't really have a mirror, right? Like, yeah, we have a mirror that's like about the size of oh, a, I, yeah, I a quarter. It's like a yeah. Um, but okay, no. 
this kind of also gets to a, like a question I have about the genre of your genre reveal show, because I think like that it could be really great. Like you all had this poll on Twitter about like who, you know, which one was, which, what was, what was the genre, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm wondering if there ought to be, you know, somebody, there should be some way to win and lose at this, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like who's, who was right and wrong about the genre, right? And, uh, like, you know, we have evidence that we're stacking up in our favor and whatnot, but, uh, but I'm wondering, yeah, maybe Twitter decides. I'm not sure, but they're, they're, no, there's some, I've had this thought that my only, my only problem with it is, and there are a lot of problems with this is that it, 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 you know, to the extent that this is a spoilable podcast, do uh-huh. do we want to let people who haven't listened to the full show know what the genre reveal is beforehand? Is that some is that does that pull out the rug from under ourselves I by see. saying, "Hey, but then again, I don't think so, are we se- I think I don't think I so. I think when you all forward. started this, I had this expectation <laughs> that you were going to like, that you were going to like start at the beginning of the show, of each show with like, this is the genre. No, this is the genre. And then you'd talk it out. And then like somehow at the end, that would be the reveal is like, you know, you'd figure out who was right. But, uh, well, sorry but, we're like getting along and, and building off each other's ideas too much for you, Kyle. Yeah. It's very, it's very, it's very touchy feely over here. It's very, right, tell us your genre reveal. Yeah. <laughs> okay, all right. The genre of succession. You're like, I'm going to draw this out for... even more. I love it. Oh, I love it. I'm here you, you were like, Madeline's been worried for weeks that like she was making a mistake and inviting me on to this because I was just going to just keep shouting the genre over Tell and over us, and not say anything else. The genre of succession, clearly for anyone who's really been watching, is that it's an episode of BattleBots. Yeah. So for those people who haven't seen BattleBots, it is a show in which there are robots that people make at home that they come, they come into an arena kind of like a ultimate fighting, I guess. Right. Uh, And they get turned on and the battle, the bots go into the arena and they crush each other. They like whack each other. Sometimes they have like skill saws attack, you know, like they, run into each other they like they they blow up and stuff there's like sparks and whatnot and at the end of the show one of the robots has won by virtue of surviving and that is the genre of this show it is a show in which there are no there is no interiority which matters there is no like great acting which is actually important they all all of the characters and the actors as well i would say really just basically are weaponized robots that go in and smash into each other until there is only one robot left. And we know this at the end because Tom is the only robot left. Tom is the successor. And we we were told over and over that in this show that Tom is so great at, you know, like he says, he's a pain sponge, right? Like uh, his wife says about him that he'll, he'll suck the biggest dick in the room. Like, you know, it's like, like he, he's, 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 he's like, he willingly puts up with, with, uh, with Madison saying that he wants to fuck his wife, you know, uh, and that he thinks that she will, you know, Uh, like over and over again, he's willing, he's like able to absorb all of the abuse, right? This is a world in which all of the characters 
characters basically all they do all the time is abuse one another. They have like various forms of weapons. Some of them have like a, you know, a whole plethora of different kinds of, of you know, robotic skill saws and, form, you know, Kendall's a word robot where he has like, you know, a uh, different kind, you know, and, and, and Roman is a, like a, you know, a sarcastic robot. Shiv is ultimately, it turns out, we, we don't expect she's a pregnant robot, right? She's a, she's a mom she's a bot, baby right? Lady. But, yeah, but Tom, <laughs> Tom is like just a box, right? Tom, mm-hmm. Tom, like, you know, it like it's a muttering box, nice. right? Yeah. They can just like get hit over and over again. And if you watch BattleBots, that's the robot that always wins, right? The robot that always wins is the one that's just like impervious to, to any of the attacks of any of the other things. It's a pain sponge that just like is like, it doesn't really do that much, but it also never gets destroyed. And that's why... The, the genre of succession is battle. Nicely bots. done. Okay, I like it. I like it. Even though I think that's great. I love that. I agree. I think, I think that's great. I don't know. I don't know why, Kyle. You didn't mention. You didn't say any of that stuff earlier. If anyone told you it's not me, to I like, ruined it. <laughs> um, we'll, it. We'll talk about it later. He and I. You know. <laughs> so who? Go, okay, I, oh, I, I have. I wasn't certain that I was going to have a different genre than the first one. Okay. Which for me was American satire accordion. Um, I, I thought. Is it now American or it's now British satire accordion? <laughs> well, I in the process, the, the uh, eagle eagle eared listeners. Do eagles have good hearing? <laughs> eagle eared listeners will know that I've been, been I've become obsessed with like shortening. I've become aware of my own Kendall mm. tendencies here to sh- trying to shorten some of these genre names. So I did, I was able to oh. shorten American satire accordion in a, oh. in a way that, okay. I went from American satire accordion. My new genre title is just satire polka because mm. the, okay. po- the uh, polka is the, is the, you know, the musical genre of the accordion polka imply mm-hmm. polka is kind of annoying. I know just, I'm sure there's deep cultural, you know, roots there in some ways, but it's a kind of, it, it's not a, it is, as a music guy, it is a genre I have not plumbed the depths of very deeply. And so I feel comfortable okay. still calling it annoying. Um, but it, but it's fun, you know, it's, it's there for a party, you know, you're at a fucking beer garden. And this, this new name reflects the softening that I have had toward mm. the differences of opinion. You know, polka is dance music. So mm-hmm. I might not like the way everyone else is dancing, but we're all just fucking dancing to the satire <laughs> polka. So that's that's my I like it. That's my short yeah. genre name. That's good. I like it, dude. Super. Okay, good. so I got really captivated by the meta-ness of this happening, this finale happening in the first week of HBO Max becoming Max and like mm. the ways in which the show's meta commentary was increasingly thinking about its own kind of corporate status. Um, Mm -hmm. And a lot has been talked about with the show, which I don't believe, I don't buy these periodizations, but it's like, this is the end of prestige. Succession is the last prestige show. Um, And what we have ahead of us and the strike is definitely kind of like stoking these fears is, um, you know, a horizon of pure slop TV. Okay. And I was super interested in like slop 
and the meal fit for a king. <laughs> you know, they make mm, yeah, um, right, that they make right. K- Kendall drink slop. Um, and that Roman is like, it's bits of broken news and phony shows. Like it's bullshit. It's nothing, you know, what, of what the legacy of the company will be. So I want to call it a slop Spirian incest joke. Ooh, wow. There we go. Hell yeah. Love That's it. a good punchline. I like that. You like slop Spirian? Yeah. Slop Spirian. Okay, cool. Yeah. It doesn't. Is that, is that what we're having for dinner? <laughs> Maybe. Wow. Talk that's about what you call my chili, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> what an incest joke of a chili this is. Um, that is so... I, I, I didn't realize that people were talking about the end of Prestige TV. I'm here for it, dude. Give me the fucking genre shit. I, well, let's it's have like the genre... It keeps slot. happening over and over again. Prestige course, was supposed course. to be over you know, a number of times right. already too, right. you know, but, but what I do, I do find really compelling is this, you know, endless slop. All we have now is slop. It'll look like prestige, but we don't even know if it is prestige. It could just be slop pretending to be prestige. <laughs> and there's like this kind of like Love it. anxiety over uh, content um, in the future. Right. So I kind of like, I kind of yeah. like, want to imagine the show is is weighing in on that a little bit you know i love it well cool i gotta i i have a a love talking to you you got a hard out so i'm gonna go but kyle thank you for joining hey thanks so much for having me y'all super Uh, yeah yeah, um yeah and then uh yeah it, this is the last time we're going to talk about succession so if you want to mention succession to us Email email us. We can have this conversation over email. Genre reveal party at gmail.com. But otherwise, mm-hmm. we're we're not chasing the coattails, man. We're creating our own prestige podcast TV <laughs> movie. Our own canon, sloppy joke. Right? right? You gotta watch <laughs> Juno, man. That's that's the deal now, okay? <laughs> um, so yeah, thank you. Right. Thank you for listening. And uh yeah, come come. 